It's Tech News Day, and you know what that means. Tech news, mm. which we will eventually get to right after we hopefully briefly update you on the latest goings on with our dysfunctional federal government and our former president's many legal woes. When it comes to the dysfunctional government, I mean, they did do the one tech thing you should do. They unplugged it and plugged it back in. They did several times. We, if we turn it off and turn it back on, okay, that didn't work. If we do it like, I don't know, six, seven more times over the course of three weeks. Yep. Eventually, the service is going to return. Yeah, it worked. In new and horrible ways. So, yeah, first off, today, Wednesday, when we're filming this, the Republicans in the House of Representatives finally got their shit together after three whole weeks of embarrassment and were able to agree on who should be the Speaker of the House. And no, you haven't heard of him. He goes <laughs> to a different school. Uh, yeah, and uh, weird to come to a consensus on this guy. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I think they just got worn out. <laughs> I, maybe uh, that was the plan all along. But yeah, to get you up to speed, last we checked, Congress was still completely unable to do a goddamn thing until a speaker was decided on after Kevin McCarthy was booted out thanks to a mutiny in his own party. And both Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan had tried and failed to rally enough votes to be his replacement. Since then... A third contender, Majority Whip Tom Emmer, also threw his hat in the ring and then immediately, just hours later, retrieved his hat after realizing he, too, didn't have the votes. And here's NBC News with, thankfully, the final update on this clusterfuck. House lawmakers on Wednesday elected little-known Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana as the 56th Speaker of the House, capping more than three weeks of dysfunction and chaos on Capitol Hill. It's a stunning rise for the conservative Donald Trump ally and low-ranking member of the GOP leadership team, who is now second in line to the presidency. While known for his affability, Johnson is arguably the most ideologically conservative person to serve as speaker since Newt Gingrich in the 1990s, and he played an instrumental role in the GOP's effort to overturn the 2020 election. After weeks of disarray, the GOP demonstrated remarkable unity. All 220 Republicans cast their vote for Johnson, while all 209 Democrats voted for Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries of New York. And yeah, I'm surprise, surprise. This dude is super, super hard right on issues like abortion and LGBTQ rights. And yes, he also played a semi-prominent role in trying to overturn the 2020 election. But when that was brought up by reporters right after he secured the job, well, here's what happened. Cool. Well, that's exciting. And uh, yeah, this guy's like conservative on another level. Like he once wrote a fucking newspaper op-ed uh, basically uh, saying that like it should be gay sex should be illegal. Yep. Oh. Uh, he's one of the people that constantly uh, claims that Democrats support post-birth abortion. Yeah. Yeah, uh, of course. And uh, it's an interesting thing for them to rally behind a guy who's this far right on these specific issues because electorally that shit has been a fucking disaster for them. So good luck. Good I, luck on that. That's what I don't get is there were a lot of hangups with the previous uh, nominees over things like the uh, 2020 election. Yeah. The insurrection. And this guy comes in. They're like, oh, you mean the guy that like actually represented Donald Trump uh, in such uh -huh. cases? No, let's go ahead and get him in. Yeah, with Jim Jordan, the holdouts were more, I guess, relatively moderate yeah. Republicans. 
Uh, but this guy is even further right than Jim Jordan, so I guess they just don't like Jim Jordan, and they wanted him to feel bad. Yeah. Whereas this guy, despite all of his views, they they all say, oh, he's he's a real nice guy. Uh, well, just don't ask him about any of his beliefs. A he's lot a of real other nice guy. Congress people are going to have to do a little bit of googling to figure out who they just elected. But uh, uh, this is, you know. I, I'm not going to give them applause, but what a moment of unity uh, for, yeah. the, for the Republican They really party. rallied uh, behind um, the most evil person they, they could among them. You Certainly know? something that won't blow up in the entire country's face. So yeah, Congress is back in business, baby, and back on its bullshit, mm. with the Republicans seemingly having learned nothing from this three-week spectacle. Uh, with another and, shutdown looming. Yeah, just like two or three weeks away. We'll see how that goes. Uh, very exciting stuff. Uh, 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 a uh, horrific first test for our new House Speaker, uh, with the oh. results of which will surely be not great. A real trial by fire. Exciting. We might have a new House Speaker this time next month. Who knows? Anyway, but now let's move on to the latest updates on Donald Trump's various legal troubles. Uh, last week, it came out that Two of his co-defendants in his Georgia racketeering case, Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro, were pleading guilty and cooperating with prosecutors in exchange for avoiding prison, which is bad news for Donald Trump and especially bad news for Rudy Giuliani, the designated fall guy in all of this, who... Luckily not the designated driver. Who I I would put money on... Uh, yeah, did, luckily not. No. If this guy's your designated driver, you will die on the road. Zero stars. But uh, yeah, I'd put Rudy's odds of going to prison at uh, 100 to 1. Uh, Trump's odds, who's to say? But I I think Rudy's going to be the fall guy. And uh, this latest news uh, further uh, confirms that for me. Um, Here's here's the latest via the New York Times. Jenna Ellis, a pro-Trump lawyer who amplified former President Donald J. Trump's baseless claims of election fraud as part of what she called a legal elite strike force team pleaded guilty on Tuesday as part of a deal with prosecutors in Georgia. Addressing a judge in an Atlanta courtroom, she tearfully expressed regret for taking part in efforts to keep Mr. Trump in power after he lost the 2020 election. And those white girl tears, they were a-flowing. And the judge made sure she was under no obligation to make a statement, but she did anyway. And without naming Rudy Giuliani, she still used the opportunity to basically throw him under the bus, saying... I relied on others, including lawyers with many more years of experience than I. Hmm, who could that be? To provide me with true and reliable information, especially since my role involved speaking to the media and to legislators in various states. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were, in fact, true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. And she's 100% talking about Rudy. He, she was with him. They, they were is basically the traveling woman, companions. Is this the one that sounded, I'm not going to say she was, but sounded drunk during uh, on-camera appearances with Rudy? Um, I know who you're talking about. I don't know if it's the same one. Okay, line. okay. This, this woman uh, definitely uh, spent the last year gloating at like anyone who even suggested mm. she might uh, you know, go to prison over this. Well, so technically she's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Because she took the plea deal. But, uh, yeah, it was very much uh, reaping and sowing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a fascinating time for this specific case and the one in New York. Yeah. Which so, we're going to get to. So the Georgia case, it's very quickly shaping up to be really interesting as more and more co-conspirators choose to rat each other out at the first opportunity. It's it's actually brilliant that they went with the, the RICO approach on this because this is literally how 
Certain attorney generals took the mafia down decades ago. Who were those attorney generals? Hmm. Oh, who's this Rudy Giuliani guy? Ah, well. <laughs> the irony. The fucking irony of that. It is uh, It is quite literally the live long enough to become the villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, meanwhile, up in New York City, Trump himself was actually physically in court this week for the trial over whether his company fraudulently inflated the value of its assets in order to illegally secure loans. He was in court uh, until he wasn't. Quantum. Uh, Here's the NBC News. Donald Trump stormed out of a Manhattan courtroom Wednesday after a heated day in court that saw the former president called to the witness stand in his $250 million fraud case and fined $10,000 for violating a gag order. It doubled. They're escalating. Yeah. Uh, Trump's abrupt departure appeared to surprise even his own lawyers and his Secret Service agents who went scurrying after him. He returned to the courtroom after the court day ended and after his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, finished his contentious testimony. It continues, Judge Arthur Engeron handed down the financial penalty after calling Trump to testify under oath in the afternoon about who he was talking about when he told reporters earlier in the day that the person sitting next to the judge was very partisan. Trump said he was referring to Cohen, who he's previously called a rat, a liar, and a felon. The judge asked Trump if he'd previously referred to his law clerk as partisan, and Trump said, maybe. He had refer- and Trump said, maybe he had referred to her as not fair because she's very biased. But Trump insisted he was referring to Cohen when he told reporters earlier that Engeron is a very partisan judge with a person who's very partisan sitting alongside him, perhaps even much more partisan than he is. Engeron's law clerk sits next to him and has been the subject of complaints from Trump's team, including earlier Wednesday, when Trump lawyer Alina Haba asked that there be no eye rolling or whispers from the bench during her questioning of Cohen. Engeron said he found Trump's testimony not credible. He fined Trump for violating the gag order he issued earlier this month after the former president had smeared his law clerk on social media. Yeah, so literally like last week, it was, Trump was, uh, he failed to delete uh, a post calling the judge's law clerk uh Chuck Schumer's girlfriend and highly partisan, well, very biased. He had and deleted it on on Truth, but he forgot to delete yeah. it on his website. So yeah, he got fined yeah. a nominal fee for that five thousand dollars. And the judges and literally he go he comes to court and he's like that law clerk, she's nasty. Also the judge, very biased, very unfair. And thinking that somehow the judge in the courtroom he was about to walk into would not catch wind of this. Well, he he assumed double jeopardy. He already got me once. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, he's like, did you literally just defame, slander my law clerk again? Maybe. Right after I find you for doing that before? It's so funny, too. Like, it's a law clerk. This person has no power. They're like a just lowly minion for the judge. They have no influence on the decision making. Yeah. It's uh, so at the rate this is escalating, if it doubles each time, we're seeing exponential. It's only like. A couple more times till he's getting fined. Like this is compounding interest in action. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, it sounds like Donald Trump's legal issues are going just just great, just great. But now we move on from the world of politics to the world of tech. Two worlds that keep colliding in ways I wish they wouldn't. But here we are, and we're going to talk about the world's richest man and, of course, the world's biggest baby, Elon Musk. And we're not personally calling him a baby. That would be rude. And that would go against our rigorous journalistic standards. But other people are calling him a baby after Tesla's most recent quarterly earnings call, specifically a little baby who was almost in tears. And the analyst who made that comment isn't some hater. 
He's been a prominent Tesla cheerleader for years. So Tesla is doing great and will presumably be doing even better once the long-awaited Cybertruck comes out, whenever that is. But let's check on Twitter now. Wait, before that, before that, uh, the Cybertruck, uh, the, the big release event at the end of November, that they're waiting till then to announce like the new price and stuff. Yeah, the price or even like the options. Yeah. People have had to like look up like VIN number registrations to try to like you know, figure out maybe what, like, the drivetrain even yes. fucking is. And it's, there was... Uh, also, a, it weighs, like, 10,000 pounds. There was a great <laughs> uh, viral post this week about the truck breaking down out here in the desert, and it wouldn't be... It wasn't able to take a charge, so they literally had to put rolling, like, dollies on it and yeah. get it out of there. And everyone's like, okay, well, they're just stress testing it. And then everyone else, especially in the automotive industry, is like, well, this is would... not how it would work like a month before release. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. They also released that picture of like they t they took it somewhere and just like unloaded. Uh, they just fired a bunch of guns at it. And, yeah. Like, look at that. See? Yeah, we no... talked about it in the last episode. It's just like that's a feature that uh, is pretty low yeah. on the, the scale of things that you would uh, want. It's out a of high a... priority for people who are terrified of going into cities. But who is the at this point, Elon Musk's. Uh, his core audience. Well, those types are also someone that was uh, probably hoping and presuming this truck would actually be bigger than it is because in the breakdown photo, there's a Ford F-150 Raptor next to it, which isn't even like the biggest Ford truck. Yeah. And it dwarfs the Cybertruck. You know, this is the one good thing I'll say about it. Is, yeah. It, is, it's <laughs> not big. The cars on the fucking road in this country are ridiculous. Yes. You don't need that much truck to go no. fucking buy groceries. My truck Shut up. needs to be taller than at least a 14-year-old child. Yeah, I need to not be able to see a child or the in my car for like 50 feet. Uh-huh. Well, okay, Twitter time. Twitter time. Yeah, uh, so, Twitter. Uh, sorry, the site for... No, I'm not even going to say it. It's Twitter. It's Twitter, and you can pry that from my cold, dead it's mouth. It's the only thing you can dead name besides uh, historic buildings yeah. that uh, our entire cities are based around. Uh, so, yeah, remember all those banks that loaned Elon a bunch of money to help him cover Twitter's $44 billion price tag? Well, uh, like we said previously, sometimes you make a bad bet. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, here's the Wall Street Journal with how, how they're doing. The banks that financed Elon Musk's $44 billion purchase of Twitter are still struggling a year later to contain the damage to their balance sheets. Seven banks, including Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, and Barclays, lent Musk around $13 billion to buy Twitter a year ago this coming Friday. Under normal circumstances, they would have unloaded the debt to Wall Street investment firms soon thereafter. But investor appetite for Twitter, which Musk has since renamed X, has cooled since the billionaire took over, forcing the banks to hold the debt on their own balance sheets at a discounted value. The banks currently expect to take a hit of at least 15% or roughly $2 billion when they sell the debt, people familiar with the matter said. That would mean hundreds of millions in losses for those holding the largest pieces, which include Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Barclays, and MUFG. BNP, Paribas, Societe Generale, and Mizuho were also involved. After holding the debt for a year, an eternity <laughs> in the corporate finance world, the banks, which had hoped they could sell it by Labor Day, have recently begun preparations to try to unload at least some of it, the people said. First, they must secure a rating from the likes of Moody's and S&P, a quality seal investors such as mutual funds and loan managers typically require. If X receives a low credit rating, it would be hard for the banks to sell the debt to a broad investor base without taking an even bigger loss than what they are already anticipating. It continues, X's unsold debt ranks among the largest and longest held hung deals. 
Banks were in similar pickles in periods such as 2007 and 2008 <laughs> when investors lost confidence in the financial system during the financial crisis. They eventually managed to sell billions of debt backing major takeover deals as markets calmed down, but were forced to swallow big losses. The X deal should have been a fee bonanza for the banks, who stood to earn tens of millions of dollars on the debt. Womp womp. Instead, their inability to resell it has been an albatross on their lending businesses and prompted questions from their own investors. Banks limit how much risk they can take on at any given time, so holding X's debt has taken up loan book capacity that their dealmakers would prefer to allocate <laughs> elsewhere. Big hung deals don't sit well with regulators who have been making more diligent checks on banks' financial footing following the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and others earlier this year. The longer the banks hold X's debt, the greater the scrutiny is likely to be from regulators, who penalize lenders for having direct credit exposure to junk-rated companies. Wow. Why do I have the creeping suspicion that somehow your average American taxpayer is going to, in some way, be affected by this? Um, because that's something that does happen in situations like this. Yeah, it is It is so funny and good that Elon Musk not only uh, is failing just completely at this Twitter thing, but dragged like several major financial institutions from around the world into his failure. Mm -hmm. And now they're just stuck with it. So yeah, let's uh, let's all raise a glass and pour one out for all those all those poor banks who thought they could make a quick buck helping Elon Musk buy a company he very obviously, clearly to anyone with a fucking brain had no idea how to run, who are now saddled with debt that no one wants to take off their hands, thus crippling their ability to invest money elsewhere in other ventures that aren't clearly doomed. To the banks, may they learn from this. I I gotta say. This is kind of the only way that there would have ever been an actual downfall of Mr. Elon Musk. He had built up such a fantastical uh, representation of himself that only something, a, a string of events this categorically stupid could <laughs> could break that that seal that he'd made around himself. Yeah, I... He's still, obviously, he's always going to have uh, stands. Of course, but... But this, this absolutely has shattered uh, the mystique around him. At least in the professional sense. With yeah, he, he used to be a sure bet, which itself was like a very narrow way of looking at it. Like, yeah, yeah he's a sure bet, but he, uh, he mostly just figured out how to use like government subsidies and credits uh, as the business. Like the, the car business is just instant. Yeah, like, he was like a marketing to guy that. too. He was yeah. like, make gigantic promises. Uh, and then just and like, also oh, the cars water. were like pretty good for their sure. time, but now it's like a lot of competition. A lot of competition. But and yeah, he's... he had to fail this publicly and this spectacularly yeah. to actually do damage to his once, at least professionally, financially stable reputation. Yeah. Well, those poor banks. Anyways, in other Twitter news, it was obvious from the very beginning of the current war that Israel is waging on Gaza that Elon Musk's Twitter was primed to be a hotbed of viral misinformation thanks to the changes that he has implemented over the past year. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we spoke in our last episode about how uh, most of the misinformation being spread is being spread specifically by verified users on Twitter uh, who are being boosted algorithmically. And might uh, re receive financial compensation yeah, for their troubles. Uh, yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, here's a little bit more on that. Uh, basically, during previous similarly fast-paced news cycles, the verified checkmark, as you know, it was a pretty useful way of separating the accounts that were actual, fairly reliable news journalists from accounts that were 
just one dude somewhere yeah. posting whatever the hell he wants. But yeah, now that anyone can pay $8 for a check mark and a boost to the top of the algorithm, things are a lot muddier. And because verified accounts can supposedly earn income off posts that go viral, they are incentivized to just be more concerned with likes and retweets than the truth. And yeah, another study came out this week and they found that all of the top like news accounts on Twitter are each basically just some dude somewhere. Which is extra confusing, considering that like several of them are branded as if they're real news outlets. Yeah. Two of the most prominent examples that I've seen recently are uh, the Spectator Index, which has no relation whatsoever to the 200-year-old British news magazine, The Spectator, mm -hmm. and Visegrad 24, which, which first got big thanks to the Ukraine war and people in the U.S. just not knowing that Visegrad 24 is not an actual Eastern European news network. It's I thought it just was just some, a, some people. Uh, you know, an extension of France 24. Nope. Um, and I yeah. didn't actually think that. I'm just saying that that's why it would make sense because in Europe there is a, a very prominent... Yeah, yeah, and, and a generally pretty good outlet. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, these accounts, their posts are usually just like breaking, followed by a very brief bit of news with zero sourcing. And accounts like these are doing significantly better on Twitter than any actual news organizations. Not that the actual news organizations are getting it right 100% of the time. Batting average has been not great well, over the past uh, couple weeks, but this is so much worse than that. Like, if we were all just getting news from, like, verifiable sources, there'd be problems with that. But people are just getting news from, like, literally just some guy somewhere. Yeah. And that's bad. Mm -hmm. Probably pretty bad. Yeah, it's uh, not a fun place to be right now on the old... Twitter.com. No. But it's important to remember that Elon Musk isn't the only one running a social media platform that's actively making the world a worse place. Mark Zuckerberg runs two social media platforms making the world... Well, I thought, hold on, sorry, three social media platforms that are making the world a wor worse place. Forgot about threads there for a second. Although I, uh, you know, tend to be somewhat active on it. Uh, I like it. At least there, better than Twitter. There are dozens of us. I've in my head when logging on to seeing the X logo and hitting it in my head I've, I've gone entering the horrors. I say that now every time before I click on it. I say mm. I'm entering the horrors. So to be fair, Threads still needs a bit of time before it can properly develop into a cesspool like Facebook and Instagram, which have ruined society to such a degree that 33 U.S. states have decided to join forces in suing Meta over what those platforms are doing to the mental health of America's youth. There's nothing in the lawsuit about what Meta is doing to the mental health of America's boomers, but it's still a big deal. Yeah, they're really missing uh, a great opportunity here to uh, further punish this company. Uh, unfortunately, the people in charge of all of this are the boomers who are having their brains melted. Yeah. So they, they don't want to admit that that's happening. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, here's the AP. Dozens of U.S. states, including California and New York, are suing Meta Platforms, Inc. for harming young people and contributing to the youth mental health crisis by knowingly and deliberately designing features on Instagram and Facebook that addict children to its platforms. A lawsuit filed by 33 states in federal court in California claims that Meta routinely collects data on children under 13 without their parents' consent in violation of federal law. In addition, nine attorneys general are filing lawsuits in their respective states, bringing the total number of states taking action to 41 and Washington, D.C. Quote, Meta has harnessed powerful and unprecedented technologies to entice, engage, and ultimately ensnare youth and teens. Its motive is profit, 
And in seeking to maximize its financial gains, Meta has repeatedly misled the public about the substantial dangers of its social media platforms, the complaint says. It has concealed the ways in which these platforms exploit and manipulate its most vulnerable consumers, teenagers and children. The broad-ranging federal suit is the result of an investigation led by a bipartisan coalition of attorneys general from California, Florida, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Nebraska, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Vermont. It follows damning newspaper reports, first by the Wall Street Journal in the fall of 2021, based on Meta's own research that found that the company knew about the harms Instagram can cause teenagers, especially teen girls, when it comes to mental health and body image issues. One internal study cited 13.5% of teen girls saying Instagram makes thoughts of suicide worse, and 17% of teen girls saying it makes eating disorders worse. Ugh, that's uh, bad. Following the first reports, a consortium of news organizations, including the Associated Press, published their own findings based on leaked documents from whistleblower Francis Haugen, who has testified before Congress and a British parliamentary committee about what she found. Quote, Meta has been harming our children and teens, cultivating addiction to boost corporate profits, said California Attorney General Rob Bonta. With today's lawsuit, we are drawing the line. So, on the one hand, these charges seem like they'll be kind of hard to prove definitively in a court of law. Meta is not going to make that easy for them. But on the other hand, nearly every state attorney general in the country seems to think this is worth pursuing. And I don't think they'd be doing that if this was just a shot in the dark. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I guess we'll see. But again, we would really strongly suggest to these AGs, based on our legal expertise, mm -hmm. you, got, you got to add the elder abuse charges to the pile. Because for as much as these platforms are making kids want to off themselves, they're also definitely turning our nation's 65 and overcrowd into paranoid, hateful monsters whose kids and grandkids want nothing to do with them. Yeah. And that's of particular interest to you and your constituents. Yeah. Why doesn't my grandchild want to see me? Well, because you sound like a fucking crazy person all the time. Grandma, You're, did... you're mainlining... You're... You're stepping away from the Fox News, blaring out of your giant TV yeah. to log on to Facebook and get even more of that bullshit just straight into your brain. Yeah. You also posted a, a racist image of a minion that definitely did not say that word, Grandma. Yeah, the minions would never. No. But where were they in the 1940s? Uh, well, canonically, probably helping Hitler. Yeah, that's why I asked. Yeah. Hmm. Well, moving on now to some exciting news from the world of artificial intelligence. First off, some great news for residents of San Francisco who don't want to get murdered by a shitty driverless taxi. Here's Vice. Cruise, one of the two autonomous vehicle companies offering fully driverless taxi rides in the U.S., has had its license revoked by the California Department of Motor Vehicles because it withheld video footage from an ongoing investigation and the manufacturer's vehicles are not safe for the public's operation, the DMV said in a statement. In August, California regulators approved an expansion of Cruise's driverless taxi service, which is owned by GM, so it could operate 24-7, despite the opposition from San Francisco police and fire authorities, as well as an activist group that demonstrated the vehicles Cruise operates can be disabled for extended periods by placing a cone on its hood. Earlier this month, a pedestrian was seriously injured after a driver hit them with a car and a Cruise car then trapped them underneath it which spurred a federal investigation that is also examining the cruise vehicle's behavior towards pedestrians, more generally based on other incidents. And yeah, I mean, we'd seen a lot of incidents of them just driving dangerously. But yeah, no, this was a cruise car just running someone over and dragging their body. And here's more on the specific details of that incident that led to this abrupt decision. In the order of suspension, the California DMV said that the cruise vehicle initially came to a hard stop and ran over the pedestrian. 
After coming to a complete stop, it then attempted to do a pullover maneuver while the pedestrian was underneath the vehicle. The car crawled along at 7 miles per hour for about 20 feet, then came to a final stop. The pedestrian remained under the car the whole time. The day after the incident, DMV representatives met with Cruz to discuss the incident. During that meeting, Cruz only showed footage up to the first complete stop, according to the order of suspension. No one at Cruz told the officers or showed any footage of the subsequent pullover maneuver and dragging. The DMV only learned of that from another government agency. When DMV asked for footage of that part of the incident, Cruz provided it. Oh, my bad. Oh. Oh, yeah, oh the dragging. Yeah, that was a pretty crucial part of this. Well, we, we specifically only heard the part where we hit the person, so yeah. that's what we showed. Uh, we weren't hiding it. We just didn't think you wanted to see that part. Uh, well, yeah, fuck that. Um, also, I don't know how it's happening. Maybe I guess it's a different company than Cruise, but they just announced that that's coming to Los Angeles. Nope. Get that the <laughs> fuck out of here. Luckily, it's probably just going to be like on the west side in Hollywood, so we'll never see it. I mean, can you imagine that thing on like the 10 or the 5? Uh, no, I, I, I would get very angry. <laughs> like, you can't, I don't think you can train an AI to navigate LA's highway system, uh, you need a criminal's brain put into yes. a computer. Yeah. We are psychotic drivers because you need to be. Yeah, you literally... You have to create your own lane to do not anything. Not 24-7, but there's definitely times of day where you have to... You basically have to drive like a crazy person in order to get where you're going. My favorite L.A. driver thing is uh, anyone who actually tries to merge using their blinker. Oh, yeah. The person just goes, oh, I'm going to be a dickhead for no reason and not let this person over. Yeah. Putting your blinker on during rush hour is a, the quickest way to not be able to merge. Yeah. Nobody wants to give up that lucrative, uh, you know, seven feet of cushion room. Yeah, people drive so close. I get I get flashed all the time because I like to leave space, uh, especially if I'm if I'm driving and people have art, it's already just like stop and go. Like, I'm yeah. going to leave like ample space here so that if I have to slam on the brakes going 65, like I have room. People get so fucking mad at me for that. Yeah, like, because someone's going to get in front of you. I'm like, if I pull ahead, you gain, like, I don't know, 20 feet. Now, nah, you're kind Congratulations. Of, you're constantly letting people uh, merge in. You're leaving too much space. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I cut them off. No, this is my lane. <laughs> yeah. This is a race. This is a zero sum game out here on the road. You're either a winner or a loser. You have to make, you have to, <laughs> in traffic, you got to gamify it, or else you, you'll, you'll never survive. People really do, and yeah. it's baffling to me. Well, uh, in other small victories against AI, which we're all in the war, humans yes, versus AI. I'm doing my part. A while back, we talked about how a team at the University of Chicago had created a tool called Glaze that artists could apply to images of their artwork in order to make it impossible for their visual style to be copied by AI image generators. And now the team behind Glaze has gone a step further with a tool called Nightshade that goes even further in sabotaging AI art. Cool. Here's the MIT technology review. A new tool lets artists add invisible changes to the pixels in their art before they upload it online so that if it's scraped into an AI training set, it can cause the resulting model to break in chaotic and unpredictable ways. The tool, called Nightshade, is intended as a way to fight back against AI companies that use artists' work to train their models without the creator's permission. Using it to poison this training data could damage future iterations of image-generating AI models, such as DALI, Midjourney, and Stable Diffusion, by rendering some of their outputs useless. Dogs become cats, cars become cows, and so forth. 
MIT Technology Review got an exclusive preview of the research, which has been submitted for peer review at computer security conference USENIX. And it continues, Poison data samples can manipulate models into learning, for example, that images of hats are cakes and images of handbags are toasters. The poison data is very difficult to remove, as it requires tech companies to painstakingly find and delete each corrupted sample. The researchers tested the attack on Stable Diffusion's latest models and on an AI model they trained themselves from scratch. When they fed Stable Diffusion just 50 poisoned images of dogs and then prompted it to create images of dogs itself, the output started looking weird. Creatures with too many limbs and cartoonish faces. With 300 poison samples, an attacker can manipulate Stable Diffusion to generate images of dogs to look like cats. That's awesome. And yeah, here's the visual of what Nightshade does. This is amazing. I love this so much. With enough poisoned training data, these AI image generators just completely lose their concept for what words mean. So if someone actually wanted a picture of a cat and a cow eating cake in an anime style, they would have to ask Stable Diffusion for an image of a dog and a car eating a hat in a cubist style. Amazing. It's like they're purposely re-putting uh, it back to the age of where it just looked like trippy DMT art. Yeah. That was the best time. Yeah. Clearly made by a computer. Yeah. But also fascinating to see how, how its brain works, which is just like a human brain on drugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, this rules. Hopefully every artist who publishes their work online starts using it immediately. Let's just fucking poison. Do it. Yeah. Poison the well. Great band. We're all poisoning. Mm -hmm. Let's get that poison. Let's get the poison out. You gotta get the poison out. Uh, anyways, uh, that's the end of the episode. Uh, it, please like the video. Yeah, no ads uh, this week, so... Please uh, join the channel. Yeah. Please subscribe to the channel. If you're tired of hearing us say that, I'm sorry, but it works. So, like the video, and uh, we really appreciate it. If you haven't seen it already, uh, Elliot personally drove a bulldozer into someone's house and destroyed it by hand. Whoops. You'll have to file, you have to watch that video to see if it's and true. I wore a wig. Yeah. <laughs> he grew his hair back. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we also have a new episode of Weekly Weird News over there. Stay tuned for more episodes because we got some, News Dumb's going to have some updates and uh, a new character from the Santos family has arrived? Uh, yeah. No, this is some real like third season. Uh, got to keep the stakes going Has up. George Santos jumped the shark? Find out next time <laughs> on News Dump. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.